Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. Culture Fear. Culture Fear. Culture Fear. Culture Fear. You got the 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 fear. That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hello, welcome to episode two of Culture Fear, and boy, are you in for a treat with this one. Thanks if you listened to the first episode with the conversation with Kate Flynn in the winter passing. Really thrilled and surprised that so many people listened, and thanks to everyone that got in touch after it, too means the world. Since the last episode aired, I've been up and down the country looking at universities. At the moment, I'm doing an A-level in history. It's an intensive course, so I'm doing both the years over one. So that takes up two days of my week, and I spend the other three days working in a high school as a cover teacher. It's been a really great week with both, actually. I've started on a three to 4,000-word coursework essay, which seems to be going well at the moment, and the kids have been really inspiring. The Year 7 and 8 girls football team that I helped coach last week played their first game of the season and they won 4-0, which was great. The response to the first episode has been great. Thanks so much for everyone that's helped spread the word and huge thanks to the people that have reviewed it on iTunes. I'm not sure how it helps, but I'm told it helps a lot. If you do listen via iTunes, please review this. I'm going to have a look at all of the reviews come, say, January and I'm going to give a prize to one of the people as an incentive, so please do review it if you do enjoy it. Thanks. Anyway, enough of that, and on to this week's conversation. As you'll hear on this episode, I've been friends with Kai for years now, and I'm forever grateful to call her my best friend. Last year I was reading the book This Is Grime, and it has a part where Julie Adenuga talks about her brother JME, and really it just summed up how I thought about Kai. She said, JME is the prototype human, Jamie is the perfect human being. He's the prototype that all human beings should be made from, and then we should change bits from there. There should be a Jamie base in everyone. And that's how I feel about Kai. She's truly inspiring to me every day, so it was nice to sit down and kind of talk about things that we don't really talk to talk about anymore. Over the years, she's played in a, quite a few bands. At the moment, she's in Necra, Charles Post, and now and again in Self Defense Family and we talk about a few of the other bands that she's been in. If you haven't listened to her music before, I'd really recommend it. We'll be seeing out the podcast with one of the songs. Hopefully you enjoy the conversation and catch you next month for episode three. Cheers. So what are you doing now? Yeah, so what's your life at the moment? Uh, I just started second year of university, uh, doing a media and sociology degree. I play football twice a week playing some bands, support a teenager with autism, um, help my mum garden. Cool. Sort of, sort of my weekly things I do. Yeah. And um, so you're from North London. Yeah. You now live South London. Yeah. True, Big yeah. transition in your 20s. Yeah. Didn't want to do it, but... How do you feel a year, year, year later? Uh, no, I, I actually really like South London. So grown up sort of trained to hate it like in school all the banner is about how shit South London is and how much better we are Crystal Palace is shit Millwall shit um but I've been hanging out in South London like all my adolescence so I actually 
like it a lot. Do you feel like you saw more of London than most of your peers at school? Like you were doing things that took you out of your local area more than others might? Nah, I feel like a lot of people, like in secondary school, like everyone was always going up and... Here, there and everywhere. Yeah, like I, I wasn't like a clubber, but say like I saw a lot of London through like going to gigs like back when there were squat shows and stuff but then like other people in my class were going to like raves like when they were 16 do you know what I mean so different routes but I think you sort of encouraged to travel around yeah did you have anyone at your school that was going to gigs and stuff that you were going to no do you remember um subverse at the underworld were you around for those? Nah. Like these weird like bands like Send More Paramedics would play. Okay. I think it was like a monthly like alternative like emo sort of like gig event. In the Camden um, Underworld? Yeah, the Underworld in Camden. Um, I saw like one kid from my school at one of those. But nah, like my alternative friends at school were like grungers, moshers yeah and were your friends at school typically the alternative kids at school or were you like what was your friendship group like my core friendship group were like those weirdos like we got on because we liked weird stuff um but i was always like quite a joker so i hung out with like everyone yeah and even like the cool like i had this mate i won't say her name um but she was a bit of a bully but she gave me the time of day because i was funny and kind of like I was smart too. I'd help her with like school stuff, but I sort of like got a pass, even though I was fucking weird. <laughs> but I managed to like hang out with loads, like, and then like the football, like the sporty kids, I could hang out with because I was good at football. Smart kids because I liked school. Nerdy kids because I was a nerd. Yeah, <laughs> sort of. So like, you're quite fluid. Yeah. Bit of a chameleon. Yeah. Is that chameleon. It? Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. What was your <clears throat> upbringing in like north london so you your mum you live mm-hmm. with your mum yeah brought up by your mum mm-hmm. and she's from so like what's so she's a musician right uh yeah she yeah the last like decade or so she got into like producing music oh that's not always she's not always been no making music no it was, came late in life her brother my uncle peter passed away and she inherited all of his music equipment um, keyboards, like electric drum kits and okay. what's not, whatnot, and got really invested into it. Like felt closer to him, I think, for like taking up his passion. Yeah. Then she started DJing. Um, but my mum's always like, she'll like be super into something for like two years, and then it will change. <laughs> but okay. she has lots of passions, so yeah. I think she's like she's sold almost all of her music equipment at this point. She's fully devoted to gardening. Okay, cool. <laughs> but it was a cool. It was a cool period for me to see. She um, she's actually a bit miffed because she recorded um, I sung some vocals for a self defense family record, um, which we recorded like in our living room, like in our flat in okay. Canterbury. Didn't get a credit on the record, did she? Really? No credit. That was no. a full. That was a. She could have got her pro- production. Uh, yeah, she was waiting for it. it. I think. Yeah. Got the LP in the post. Not a mention of Robin Stone. And then that was it. She's out of music now. She's <laughs> yeah. like, right, I'm just, that's it, gardening. <laughs> yeah. She don't trust the industry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Boycott Death Wish. You heard yeah. it here. Um, so, but she was she into music growing? Like, she, was she into music when she was a kid? I can't really, I can't 
really tell. I think, yeah, because the only way, I haven't like spoke to her about it, but she used to be into photography when she was like a teenager. So like 80s, like, yeah, teenagers, like in her 20s. And she's got all these amazing photos of like, the black community in um, Harlesden, where she grew up in the so 80s. So she grew up in London? Yeah. Um, and, like, these sort of, like, talent contests and stuff. Okay. Where, like, her friends would perform and then different artists would perform. She's got amazing pictures of, like, those sort of events and, like, pictures of her friends just, like, playing guitar and stuff. So... Yeah. Yeah, she must have always just, been into it. Yeah, sounds like some kind of creative community mm. around her. So... Did your grandparents, like, when you were growing up, did you, did they live in London still? No, they, so they moved Windruff generation to London in, like, the 50s. They had, they had four kids in Jamaica, moved to London in the 50s. All, uh, the whole family or just? Yeah. Okay. Had three more kids, including my mum, so three English kids. Um, made their money, moved back to Jamaica, bought a couple of houses retired and died pretty happily yeah and did you get to see him much like yeah you knew we we went to jamaica a few times in my childhood um and my grandma came to visit london a few times yeah which was cool she came to when i played at stevenage um like a women's like football team she came oh, to okay. watch me that's like one of my brightest like memories that i have of her is her coming to watch me play football and she was staying in my bedroom when she visited and she came in and saw like all my football trophies she's like Kyla are you win this and I was like yeah <laughs> like so proud like I didn't think she'd care because she's not she yeah. didn't care about football but like I can still like see how proud like that face of her like recognizing that I'd won all those trophies oh amazing yeah it's fucking sick <laughs> and um what was it like going over how old were you when you went over to Jamaica and stuff uh, probably like six, seven. So do you have those memories, or is it? Yeah, and I, I, I'm pretty sure like I that was the first time I met them. Okay. Like I hadn't, I hadn't met them before that. Like they hadn't come over. Oh, 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 I don't know. I can't really remember meeting them before that. But I remember going there feeling like, oh my god, I'm going to meet my grandparents. Like, yeah, I spoke to them on the phone, but meeting them is going to be a whole different thing. Um. Yeah, and just meeting, like, all my cousins, because I have, like, six aunts and uncles. Okay, so, so a lot of cousins. Yeah. And they were, like, it's, like, cool to have, like, an English cousin. Do you okay. know what I mean? Like, so they thought it was going to be really cool. Bit of a letdown. <laughs> <laughs> Not that cool. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have any contact with any of them now? No, my mum, she doesn't really get on with her siblings that well. Okay. So we haven't really... Yeah. 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 If I saw him, like obviously it it'll be good, but Yeah. Yeah. And do your like aunties and or uncles that were born over here with your like your mum, mm. are they still in London or are they like Um so Peter passed away a few years ago and the other sibling, David, um, he's around somewhere. He's he's a really interesting character. Um, kleptomaniac. Uh, queer as can be like you'll see him like walking down Brixton High Street like in a pink dress okay um, and if anyone says anything to him like he'd just like punch them in the face like it's happened a few times yeah like where people think they can take the piss out of him and then he's just like the most aggressive person <laughs> yeah you'll ever meet 
Um, so my mum didn't really want me like hanging out with him too much growing no? up. No, because he'd like turn up to our house like with like clothes, like leather trousers for me at like eight years old yeah. that he's obviously just stolen. Um, and I think my mum felt a bit uncomfortable. But yeah. I loved him. I thought he was amazing, like yeah. so eccentric and like so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know anyone like that? Was he like, I guess he sounds unique. Yeah, he was a proper character. Yeah. And he was just really like, I was a, always been a tomboy. And he was just really, if I was like sad about like not being able to play on the football team because there weren't girls allowed or something, like he'd always like find a way to cheer me up about it and just yeah. like encourage me to like still be myself. If I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should get into this girly thing, he would be like, nah, forget that. Like, go do your thing. And I feel really like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so what music, like, did you like growing up with, like, was there music around the house and your mum would be playing stuff and yeah, then you'll hear records now and you're like, oh, yeah, I used to listen to this all the time. Yeah. Basically, like, garage, like, UK garage, not, like, um, house and garage. Like, my mum was a raver in, like, the 90s, yeah. early 2000s. Ministry of Sound, all of, you know, pirate radio. Um, so you'd be young and she'd be out raving? She'd be raving, yeah. I'd I'd be with the babysitter or, like, a family friend or something. She'd be raving. I'd, like, go to school and, like, my teacher would tell me that he saw my mum at the club like, the <laughs> night before. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, cool. That's really cool. I guess now you think, know. oh, my teacher was at the club as well. Yeah, in it. Got early Monday start. Don't know what you're doing, mate, but... Yeah, she's always been, like, into partying and just music cultures. Yeah. Um, so now I think, like, if I know people through, like, punk music and then, like, a song comes on, like, Craig David, Artful Dodger, like, one of them old garage songs, and I know every every lyric, people are a bit like, how like why do you, how do you know this song? Like, yeah. how has this happened? But my mum was just, like, super into that music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's always been there. Yeah. When when did you start? When did you start getting your own, like, music? Your yeah, your own music, like your stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I think I always really liked like pop music and like yeah. anything that's on the radio. Like I wasn't that picky about what music I liked. Um, do you mean like alternative stuff? Like no, like or... where you're like. My mum's not like playing this mm. around the house. Like this is what I like, and your mum's like, "Oh, you like this? Here's like two quid for going by the tape down Woolworths." Down <laughs> Woolworths, uh, never got tape money. Um, I don't know. I've I never like. She put me onto like Michael Jackson, which I think is like a staple in like any black household. Um, I was like obsessed with Michael Jackson, and the Jackson Five. Um, I think it's probably when we got, like, cable, like, TV, and then you got, like, the box, like, all of those music channels that are, like... Because before that, I don't know how I would have been exposed to music other than, like, what was big in, like, school. Yeah. I never had cable, so Mm. I'm not sure. I mean, I remember the top 40, and you'd just, like, sit there with your cassette when you'd be, like, hear the first five seconds, and you're like, yeah, I like this one, you record it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That seems so, like, are we that old? Um, that think, seems ancient. Like, how have we experienced that? I think everything's moved so quick. Yeah. Must be. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we are old. Yeah. 
And you'd like get a clip of like the radio host voice yeah, in the song. Talking over it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but especially if you weren't getting tape money to yeah. buy your own, like that's No, it's handy. So, yeah, you can yeah, curate your own. Yeah. Um Yeah, so how old were you when So were you like clicking through the box and like yeah. MTV and then you got to like MTV2 or like <laughs> yeah. Kerrang or something. Oh, I rinsed the Kerrang station. Okay. Yeah. I would basically like, I don't know, the TV shows I would watch would be like Simpsons, Buffy, Red Dwarf, and then just like the music channels because yeah. there were like 10 of them. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. could be on it all day. Yeah. Skip Vintage, didn't want any of that. Nah. But the rest yeah, of them. One. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> um... And then, yeah, that must have been how I, how I found out about different types of music that my mum hadn't introduced me to. And then we got the internet at the same time as that too. Okay, yeah. So you could, like, see something on the Kerrang! And then you're like, oh, cool, I'll type that in. Was it, like, LimeWire for you? Or like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rinse LimeWire. Yeah. Got so many viruses. <laughs> on the computer I guess that is when you say like are we that old yet that is probably one where everyone that knows knows and I yeah. guess everyone that doesn't is like left yeah can't like, imagine yeah Spotify and stuff's made it so much easier yeah yeah I think people can be a bit like oh it's too easy now I don't know I think it's just different yeah. I'd imagine like I it's, would just what, imagine it's convenient isn't it I'm not gonna like judge anyone for yeah Maybe people said LimeWire was too easy, but you're still getting like. <laughs> it's a risk. Did you ever get um? I did Kurt not Cobain have sexual on phone. Yeah, I got that one. <laughs> <laughs> you had to, you had to work for your tunes in those days. Yeah. <laughs> is it AFI? It's probably not, but it says it is. Mm. <laughs> and we'll then see. yeah, how do I know this song? Oh, I thought it was AFI, but no, yeah. it's not. Seven years later. Someone tagged it wrong. Yeah. Um, so what bands were like, yeah, what band, so when, what, what what age is this? Probably like 13. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. like the formative, like, when you're like trying to carve out your own identity. Yeah. About 13, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what bands were they? Um, what did I find first? Probably like shit like Taking Back Sunday. Like I was really soppy. So I liked like soppy but like rocky also. Um had a big My Chemical Romance phase. Yeah. Not ashamed to admit it. No, no, no. I feel like people are ashamed to not have had one of these days at this point. I don't trust people that haven't. People coming out the gate acting like Crisis has always been their favourite band. Don't trust you. Well, I, cool. I never had My Chemical Romance, but I never really had that either. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh here you go. Um, <laughs> the bubbles, the bubbles. Um, yeah, so, yeah, there was those bands. Yeah, because I... Do you remember, like, MySpace, like, 2005, 2006, like, how music-heavy it was? Like, there was all these, like, bands, come, like, from first to last... Like that sort of like yeah, full, fueled by ramen. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just all yeah, all those bands that um, yeah, Fallout Boys, they were huge. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget how now. I guess they're a big band that is away from the counterculture. They're like a pop. Mm-hmm. They're in like the pop sphere. Yeah, but before they were, they seemed bigger because they were like just huge in this small space. Yeah, sure. 
like I guess a big fish in a mm. small pond. Yeah. But like when you're part of that pond and you're 13 years old, you think like they're huge. Yeah, and then you, a big yeah. band. And then you've got the smaller ones like Cute Without the E. Oh, I remember them. <laughs> um, the red jumpsuit apparatus. Do you remember them? I, I couldn't say I've ever heard them, but I remember the name. Yeah. Basically, I just gave everything a go. Like, I, I didn't love all of it, but I thought it was, like, cool. Yeah. Um, and then I just, yeah, I think I was talking to someone recently about how it's hard to, like, sort of locate your musical history, like, people of our age, because so much of it is based on, like, internet discovery. Like, people that I know that are into subculture <coughs> that are, like, 40 can say, like, oh, yeah, I found out about this band because I went to see them. And then yeah, this and then was happening in my area. Notes. Yeah, exactly. Like, or there, there was a specific, like, scene in my city and that, like, sort of shaped me where I think coming from London and living, like, among the internet, you don't really... There was def- there were definitely, like, trends. Like, there was a mosh, mosh like, trend in, like, London hardcore for a bit. So how did you get into that subculture, like, the real subculture? Because I guess the you, real, could, you the could, real I shit. guess you could say, um, like taking back Sunday is part of a subculture. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you're someone that really ha- has got and is in a subculture okay. and like live that subculture. You know, yeah, like punk stuff. Yeah, vegan straight edge, like all of these <laughs> things. Like, yeah, they're like just like you know hashtags that maybe for some people these days. But yeah. like they're, they're, they're that's subculture. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't actually know. I a memory I have is that I guess like the first proper, if you want to say, like punk band I got into was Bikini Kill. Yeah, and I distinctly remember looking like at some fan site or maybe a Wikipedia that said like Ian McKay had produced one of their records or something. Yeah. And it like meant he's like in this band called Fugazi and Minor Friend and Brace, like all this stuff. I was like, oh, cool guy. Like maybe I should check him out. And then obviously like fell in love with like Minor Friend and everything that so, he did. So before Ian McCoy, like how did you get onto Bikini Kill? I don't know. I can't remember. It, it had to be the internet. Like I wouldn't have been. Was there not a like charity shop story? There's, no, I don't have one of those. No. Nah. My mum had Bad Brains records at home. Okay. But I didn't like realize that until i'd already like been exposed to it yeah yeah yeah. what bad brains eras era she actually just had like weird like bootleg stuff so it'd be like someone had put onto a record like a mixture of like mostly the reggae stuff and then a few punk bits like i don't know where she got it from yeah like it wasn't like a proper record (laughs) yeah 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 that's cool though i guess because you know like she likes her music Mm. and then there's an overlap where like you might have an arty, like, middle-class family mm-hmm. that might have a Fugazi record in there because it's, like, <laughs> there just was a little bit of overlap there. Yeah, sure. Um, where, like, yours is, like, coming from a a working-class, like, black culture of music yeah. and it's, like, well, here's this because this is one of the most important yeah. bands but you just might not for things like that. Yeah, even if you don't like it, sort of like a staple. Yeah. It's like, salt and pepper in it, but mostly pepper. <laughs> I'm lost on that analogy. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ian McKay. So you're like, see, so, so this Bikini Kill record, like, do you like it? Do you love it? Yeah, like, I like every Bikini Kill song. Yeah, so much. you're buzzing off that record. Buzzing. And I guess at that point you're just looking them up on Wikipedia and taking every like hyperlink yeah. and going through. You know how like obsessive you are as a teenager. Like, yeah. 
fucking every obsessed. it every it class yeah. just clicking through and clicking through and clicking through yeah lyrics like analyzing the lyrics like oh what what's he wearing that's really cool what guitar does he have cool don't know what that means but yeah really yeah yeah cool. <laughs> and they must have worn some like cool t-shirts bikini kill yeah well Kathleen would just write shit on hers like cut it up yeah write statements just thought they were, I didn't even think like I I don't know if YouTube was like as filled out as it is now like I can't remember really like yeah knowing I, even what they looked like that I can't much. remember where and YouTube came into it at all maybe mm. it was always there maybe it wasn't I don't I can't yeah. remember but I can't imagine like what's this like 10 years ago that there would have been much footage of you know who would have put that up I don't know. I don't remember, like, having, like, a fully imagined, like, picture of what this band was. I just, like, it's like, these songs are amazing. This is so cool. And they're, like, women playing, like, this aggressive music. I don't think I'd been exposed to that at all. Yeah. Until that point. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, this is louder than everything I've heard on the TV. Mm Mm-hmm. Because at that point, it's like loud rather rather than, or angry, rather than like these other words that you might come to later on. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, cool. And it's like women. Yeah. So that was like, that's that's like, that was important. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, so then you moved on and you found this like DC thing centered around Ian Mackay. Mm hmm. And yeah, sort of like, so this must have been like 2005, because I think I started like calling myself straight edge in like 2006. Okay. Um, Yeah, and just found the whole idea that there were these, like, teenagers years before me that didn't want to drink and stuff, and they were, like, kind of cool. Was that always you as well? Or did you have a phase? Uh, I had, like, a week of a phase. Have have I told you my, like, week of... I mean, yeah, probably might not have told these people. Yeah, all right. Um, (laughs) My best friend, Sam had, like, found this new friendship group that were, like, cool, like, really cool kids that, like, went to house parties and stuff. I was like, oh, God, I'm losing Sam. Like, what am I... <laughs> I just play Sims. Like, where's... He's not going to play Sims with me anymore, do you know what I mean? Like, we were super into Red Hot Chili Peppers, playing Sims, like, watching his dad play, like, poker online. He was, like, my mate, like, my one mate in the world. <laughs> and he was, like, getting too cool for me. So, like, I'm going to have to, like, go into this world. Like, I'm going to have to join him so that I keep him. So I went to, like, two or three house parties with his friends and, like, pretended to get drunk on vodka. Thought it was disgusting. Like, never liked the taste, but everyone else was doing it. Just, even as I was doing it, I was like, this, I'm not really up for this. Like, it's not me. (laughs) Like, I don't really care. Like, the only drink that I liked was, like, what's the, um, like, the neon-coloured, like, Alcopop? Um, Bacardi Breezer. Yeah. I'd, like, drink that, and it's nice, because it's, like, juice, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a lot of sugar. Yeah. It's like, could just have a Sprite. Um, (laughs) And I did... um, I did poppers one day in Camden. I don't know what... I don't know if it even was, like, real poppers, because I don't know why we could buy that, like, in Camden as, like, 15-year-olds. Yeah. But who knows? Anyway, fucked me up. Walk to the if anyone's been to Camden and has been to the Starbucks um, by the bridge, long flight of stairs to get up there. Walked up, fell right back down, <laughs> head in the clouds, <laughs> just a bit all over the place, just not really knowing what was going on with myself. And that was like I was out with Sam and these new friends. Like yeah. it was like 
you know, the cool thing. And I just curled up at the bottom of the steps being like, don't, like, I don't want to, like, fake this. Like, I don't really care about this stuff. I just, like, would rather be playing Sims and, like, Googling bands. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I think I stopped, like, trying to get in with that crowd and then found Straight Edge as a thing afterwards and thought it was really convenient and gave me a bit of, like, encouragement and, like, a circle. Okay. Like, also... Did you know that there was people that were that in London as well, or was it just that, like, it was... Ian Mackay was doing it? Yeah, no, it seemed like a really, like, alien thing, like, because I hadn't really had any experience of, like, punk or hardcore in, like, a physical sense. It was all, like, just on the internet up until then. But I guess I'd only been into it for, like, a year at that point. Yes. Yeah. But then I found, like, loads of people, like, on MySpace... Okay. ...that are still my friends to this day that were, like, other kids. Some still straight edge, some not, but... Not now, you never were? (laughs) I wouldn't say that, but... (laughs) Had a good run. Great memories. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, okay. Um, so tell me how you, what was, do you remember your first DIY show or your first hardcore show, your first punk show? Uh, I think I went to see Sick of It All at the Electric Ballroom. Okay. Which was cool. And all I knew of them was that song Step Down. Yeah, which is all you still really need to know. If you're going to get one, it's top five of theirs. It's top five. Um, but that was just like the right amount of like catchy... Yeah. cheesy but yeah. cool to like hook me in as like a teenager I was yeah. like this is sick and he like hates posers this is so cool do you know what I mean yeah. I'm not a poser <laughs> 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 um, so I went to that on my Todd and okay. uh, had a good time I can't remember who supported sorry it's not really that fun because my memory is really bad but I think that was probably like my first proper show that I went yeah. to. Yeah. Were, like, people going off? Yeah, yeah, Were yeah. you, like, adventuring down the front or were you, like, oh, no, stepping no. back? Oh, no, no. I was just watching. And how was that? It was it was weird. It was, like, this whole new world. Do you know what I mean? Like, nothing that I'd seen before. Yeah. I'd seen moshing in, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit video. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, a bit of a rowdy crowd, but it was there. And it was really cool to, like, see, like, okay, it's not just, like, an American thing in the 80s, like, it's still happening now. Yeah, and I think they're a good one to give it all for, like, Gateway Band as well, because they put on a show. Yeah. So you don't feel like... Like, if you're used to watching bands on TV, Mm -hmm. like, you've still got the bassist and guitarist that are, like, constantly swapping sides and, like, (laughs) doing jumps. Yeah. (laughs) Backflips. Yeah, it's totally an entertaining band. Just, like, yeah, if all you've seen is, like, Atomic Kitten on, like, TV, do you know what I mean? Like, and they, they, they're aware that there's gonna be like youngsters there, and they mm-hmm. talk, they talk like about what hardcore is for them. Yeah, it, which yeah. is what it is for you, I guess, when you're 15 years yeah, old. Yeah, you take that shit on board 100. percent That like hopeful feeling, and like, wow, we can change the world with this <laughs> shit. Do you know what I mean? This is so cool. Um. It's pretty uplifting. My mum was, like, super happy. Yeah, did she go with you? No, no, she didn't go with me. But, like, I just remember being so excited, like, that I found this sort of, like, secret world and it was, like, cool and people were, like, 
just like doing their own thing and everyone was kind of weird and she was just happy that I wasn't like doing drugs somewhere yeah um <laughs> um and that I was like passionate about music she's always liked that I've liked music yeah yeah and she always um so like you said that she you went with your grandma and her like went to watch football and that mm-hmm. so she made sure that if you wanted to play football you were playing football right yeah cuz i i started playing properly when i was like 10 for the arsenal ladies like youth team but they like we just assumed wait one that... sec okay just let arsenal ladies youth team first team <laughs> <laughs> no pressure yeah no pressure humble brag yeah 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 cash cash and who used to train you uh rachel yankee was there oh, a couple yeah. couple Ca- times yeah casual again yeah played with him for two years but yeah sorry carry on unbeaten in the league just gonna <laughs> add that in um but we were from like the islington highbury hackney border so where like arsenal is situated so we just assumed that like it would all happen there but um the games and all of the training was in hertfordshire so my mum's having to drive me like twice a week from like North London to Hertfordshire, yeah, to like train for two hours, play games. Like that's a whole day on the weekend. Um, she's probably been out your teacher the night before, like yeah, hanging. Yeah, <laughs> but she still she's gets gone, up. Yeah, well, she doesn't get up. She's still up. <laughs> she takes you. Just doesn't sleep. Um, yeah, but I'm so grateful for that because I know a lot of parents wouldn't have been able to. And we actually, I, I played for a few other teams for a few years afterwards, but the reason I stopped playing football was because her car broke down. Yeah. And she couldn't afford to get a new one. And it was all happening in that sort of area. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then GCSEs came up anyway, so probably needed to focus on those a bit. But, yeah, really grateful for for giving me yeah. that opportunity. And it sounds like when she knew that you were getting into something else, mm. like she pushed that as well. mm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's just really encouraging and just like she never told me that I had to do anything. Like she never pressured me to go to uni or to get this job or do this sort of work or anything. It was just like she just wanted me to do things that I liked yeah. and that was enough. Yeah, find yourself mm. and do that. Yeah, the first time we met was 2008 Crime and Stereo at the Peel. Mhm. With and use with Sam Knight, mm-hmm. which is like a bit of a strange one, I think, for us to have met at. Yeah. Wait. Why do you think that? Well, I just don't think it's really the music that we'd ever talk about. Mm. Like, I'm not saying I don't. I didn't like Crime in Stereo. Yeah. And I probably will listen to one of their albums twice a year. So I, mm. I do like that band. Yeah, but that but, that time, do you not think melodic hardcore? was all the rage wasn't it well I think we were probably I think that me and you were that coming from completely different places at that time yeah so like yeah so I don't even think I wouldn't have called that melodic hardcore mm. like so I think we were coming from like completely different places mm. yeah I thought they were cool I didn't think they were that good live I was a bit disappointed I remember feeling a bit disappointed after the gig yeah I guess that's why they never pushed on maybe <laughs> I'm not too sure because <gasps> I think they, well they tried to they signed yeah. to like I mean, it seems like they try. They signed a, a big contract with Bridge Nine, more than like you know, like other bands that got Bridge Nine things. Sure, yeah. Um, it never really happened. Nah. But um, what was that? Is is dead? That's the album that I used to. Okay, listen to. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. 
But yeah, so when did you start going, like after Sick of It All, like when did you get into the London hardcore, was the hardcore, the London hardcore scene was the first punk scene you got into, right? Yeah, I was really shy going to shows, but there were loads of shows like at the Dome, like that was like local bands at the time. Um, I saw that band Last Witness probably like 50 times in my life, like they were always playing. Do you remember them? Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that sort of scene. Um, and then a few years later, like bands like Honor Among Thieves, okay, um, Hang the Bastard, are just like sort of bands that I would see like quite regularly or that opened like a lot of the shows, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, and I was just always at the Underworld. I feel like there were no, it was either the Dome or the Underworld. Yeah, I feel like when we met, it was like pushing towards the Grosvenor. Was like oh, every weekend up. was like yeah, the Grosvenor. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's like an indication of the difference where like the Underworld and the Dome. Mm-hmm. Like, if we were going to go to a show there now, like that's for a big, a bigger band. Mm. So you think how thriving it must have been that all yeah. these teenagers came out on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and like played in a 500 cat room mm-hmm. obviously i'm sure there was a lot of like throwing your arms around windmilling so you didn't need to get 500 <laughs> people in that room yeah about half that would do <laughs> yeah leave some space for the mosh um yeah i do i've been thinking that recently because there's been these like teenagers from brighton recently that are coming to like punk and hardcore shows in london quite a bit and like they play in like sick bands and like you can shout them out if you want uh vile spirit yeah uh, great band just, just this dropped week a demo. they put something out right yeah yeah it's sick um, Gutter Knife I think is the other one I don't I, I don't know if anyone else in any of the other Brighton bands uh, are teenagers those ones I definitely know like they're teenagers yeah, like yeah, 17 yeah. year olds and sort of like just been talking to like my friends being like where have all like the teenagers been in like the hardcore scene because yeah. we started going to shows like their age maybe a bit younger and it was like we were young, but, like, everyone was sort of that age, you know? I thought that for years. I was thinking, like, where's, like, when I was 15, like, where's my 15-year-old to yeah. say, oh, check this record out, check yeah. this record out. But you know what? Like, I don't think they'd need us to, like, recommend anything. Mm. Like, they're so switched on already. Like, they're so cool. Like, yeah. they know everything already. Yeah. They don't need me. Maybe that is the, the generation <laughs> difference. <laughs> yeah. I was, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life to, like, yeah. give someone, like, my old records. Or maybe... When we were that age, mm. people were thinking, oh, they don't need us, they know. No, I was corny. I needed help. <laughs> <laughs> I was so corny. I, I had no, like, quality control. Like, I, I liked everything. I was just so excited. Name everything. and shame. Um, like, the worst bands that I liked. Well, not the worst, but just, like, nothing, like, things I've forgotten now. Do you know Thinking what I mean? Thinking paying £15 for a razzle-dazzle pizza. Oh, um, what is it? What's it called? Uh, picture the picture disc. disc, yeah. <laughs> you think... When you mail, you keep it real. <laughs> you didn't oh, need to mate. buy it, did you? <laughs> I didn't need that. <laughs> I thought I was so cool, though. Um, yeah. That is the coolest thing about being young, though. Just, like, everything is sick. Yeah, everything's Every- exciting. And you don't... I think when you get a bit older, then you sort of, like, are taken into consideration, like, what has more, like, cultural value. Like, okay, this band is a bit cooler than this one. Do you know what I mean? This is, like, the yeah. cool the cool side of this. I'll buy that T-shirt. I kind of like the record. Mm. And, but I'm only just getting into it, but I want the T-shirt already. Yeah, or yeah. I won't wear that T-shirt that I bought a few months ago, actually. Yeah, exactly. Or no, no one knows this band, so... 
It's no cool. one wants to be a new Jack. <laughs> no. But, yeah, I, that, that freeing feeling of just not giving a shit about any of that and just genuinely loving, like, everything yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess um, maybe you have, like, a certain space of time before the insecurities come in mm-hmm. of, like, of maybe other people mm-hmm. that you get or you're projecting on other people. Yeah. And obviously when you're, yeah, projecting on yourself just so much, like... yeah. Uh, is this one like cool? Is this cool enough, or is this this person? Which I still get now. Band? I'm like, is that t-shirt like? Can I wear it to that show? Or are people gonna think like I'm just some tourist that's like popped in? I've been um, I'm really conscious of it recently. Like I've started wearing, like I don't really think about what I wear going to a show. Like I wore a My Chemical Romance t-shirt to like a punk gig the other day. Yeah. Like, and I was aware of it. Not not that I was like trying to. I was just like, it was clean, and I like the print. Like, it's a cool shirt. I've had it, like, maybe, like, 12 years. I was like, you know what? It's, it's cosy. I feel I feel like wearing this. I'm going to... I think it might have been that band Glue yeah, okay. played. I feel like I might have worn it to that show, and I definitely thought, like, oh, people are going to think I'm a, like, loser for wearing this shirt. But you know what? Those first two records... They hold up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. So. Yeah. So. What was. What was the scene that you got into? Like when you you said you're going to shows all the time. Bit shy, but were were last minuteness and hang the bastard bands that you were like buzzing off, or like what were the bands, or was it like you'd go and see the local bands open, but it was a touring bands that you were into, or were there local bands that you were like, yeah, this is it? Uh, pro- pro- I liked like the touring bands more. Like I can't really. I can't really think of a band that I like later on like what like 2008 9 10 maybe like stuff like deal with it like cold snap like that sort of yeah scene yeah. that then were bands that I actually like properly liked more than like oh this is cool they're from my area but I I I really liked um I got into screamo through like local bands like me and Goliath, yeah, like Battle of Wolf, that sort of stuff. I can't really think of what year that would have been. Maybe around the same time, you know. Especially, um, like, yeah, like we said um, earlier, the f- the friend that we met through Sam Knight, mm-hmm. like he was a screamo head as well yeah, as like he put me going into so s- many bands. So I'm sure, like, when you're a kid and you want to go to all the shows, yeah, and like somehow get up for school the next day and like <laughs> I don't know how, but. Um, you're like, oh, so what are you going to here, there? And then you're going to all those shows. Yeah. And it's interesting with, you know, like like Battle especially, I think that there's a lot of people that they're like, they mean a lot of thing, different things to a lot of people in that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. But I would like travel quite far for like someone my age to like see those bands. Yeah. Like, yeah, super into it. Didn't didn't really didn't I don't know, I got more into like emo music. I realised like the screaming part of it was like my least favourite. Okay, <laughs> but I liked it in the context of that. But then got more into like more melodic like emo stuff. But that was quite a bit later on, right? Like what was because you like the hardcore, yeah. So yeah. I I it's a hard it's hard to like track back. So it, when did you start playing music? Was that, yeah, when was that? At um, this point or later on still? No, that would have been 2009. Okay, and that was Can't Relate was your first band? Yeah. 
Um, my friend Patrick gave me his old bass, had a big Mad Ball sticker on it. Um, I think we, we were coming back from a, a gig or something outside of London and we'd been talking. I'd been saying that I wanted to like learn an instrument. And, oh no, Can't Relate was starting and they needed someone to play bass. And I said, well, I've always wanted to like play an instrument, but I don't have a bass, can't afford one. And Patrick said he'd give me his old one. Broke a string within like three minutes of getting it, like fucking around on the train platform. A bit, <laughs> bit, bit disheartened, but got back up. And uh, yeah, played in this band with my friends. They'd all been in bands before. Okay. So I was the, yeah. the noob. Yeah. And um, so how did you learn those songs? Uh, well, we just wrote as we like were going along. I think Nick, who played guitar in Can't Relate, uh, really good at like writing songs. Um, he had a lot of ideas, and even though like at the beginning I couldn't like play, I could always like hum like a riff, and yeah. then like we just figure out what it was. Yeah, just yeah, learn as you go along, which I think was quite good for me to do because I don't think I'd have the motivation to like learn if I didn't have the pressure of oh shit I'm in a band like yeah this is what we're doing. <clears throat> Yeah. And how did you know the other three from that band? Um, I met Nick um, through MySpace, I think. Like, that, my friendship group at the time, I met through MySpace, like, seeing them, like... I think a few of them, they probably won't want me to say this, but used to go to some of those subburst nights, I think. Because it's, it's just what you did as, like, a, like... You don't, I don't think you have to just, you know qualify it for them that's fine yeah but you know what i mean they're all cool guys now in there <laughs> um but as like alternative there was like a couple places that like alternative teens in london would go those days like hang out at trafalgar square st james's park always in camden like do you know what i mean yeah um yeah and we we met because a lot of us were like veggie or vegan or straight edge and like the young sort of people were there straight edge bands at the time like local or I don't think in London, not in London at the time that I remember. No. So Can't Relate might have been one of the first. I, I wouldn't say that, but London. I mean... I, I, of of your, your <laughs> clique of friends, not obviously, I'm sh- not obviously not the, uh, the first London <laughs> yeah. straight edge band ever. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, I remember thinking it was cool that we were like a, a straight edge band. Yeah. And then Abolition started then. Which Nick is in as, was in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nick's, yeah, does so much. It's really cool. Even to this day, still play music. It's really inspiring. Yeah, so you had the London thing, but I remember you at one point going over to, like, America and hanging out with friends over there. Yeah. Like how's, how does that come about? Um, I met Mary, who plays in Self Defence Family um, on occasion in London. She was doing, like, a European trip. She went to, like, Fluff Fest and just around Europe with this guy called Mac, who I'd met a year before that at a Kingdom show. Do you remember that band, Kingdom? Yeah. Yeah, that was fucking sick. Um, <laughs> so I met him. I met him at this show because we both, we, like, bonded in the pit singing along to, like, a Minor Threat cover or something. Yeah. And he was like, oh, cool, are you strange? Like, yeah, obviously I'm at Kingdom show. Like, why else would I be? <laughs> um, and then he came back the year after with Mary um and we just became like friends like straight away and she invited me to visit her in richmond virginia 
Um, so that was my 18th birthday present. My mum bought me uh, the tickets to go to that. I went to United Blood Festival. Yeah. Um, which was cool. And there was this really cool thing happening in Richmond that year that they they had like bought a warehouse space and were like converting it like to, to do shows and like someone was going to have like a print space downstairs, but also people like lived at the top as well. Yeah. Um, and there was a practice space in there too, uh, which this guy called Benny was like building. Um, whoops, sorry. Um, and so I would just like jam with him sometimes because he had loads of equipment and it's just a good way to pass the time when like Mary was like at uni or yeah working um and so I didn't know that he was in any band but then found out he was in what was at the time end of the year and was they, Mary in end of the year at this point no she okay. wasn't no um and he had just joined as well I think yeah I think he'd just done one tour with them um and then I'm pretty sure it was the year after they were doing that tour of Tiger's Jaw in the UK. Um, As self-defence family at this point rather than end of the year? I think it was end of the year self-defence family. Okay. <laughs> this was a transition yeah, period. Yeah, the branding was like... <sighs> All over the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was a year there was that really big like snowstorm that like fucked up all the flights and... Just after Christmas. Yeah. Um, Adam from Tiger's Jaw was going to play bass for them on that tour. Uh, but Tiger's Jaws flights got fucked up, I think. Yeah, because they were the headline band. Yeah. And they, yeah, they couldn't make it over, could they? No, I, th- I think they... Until halfway. I think, no, because they played that first show. They would, They no. just weren't sure if they were going to do okay. it. Okay, yeah, so they turned up. Yeah, yeah, but it was a bit, it was sloppy. Um, but anyway, Benny reached out to me because he was like, hey, I remember we played, like we jammed a bit in the warehouse in Richmond. I play in this band. Do you want to learn these songs? Because our bassist, like, can't make it. I was like, oh, okay, I'll try. And then <laughs> that was it. Had you listened to I the tried. band before? No, I hadn't. No. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Sa- Sam Knight, again, was, like, really into them. Because he'd put a record out. He did a label, Disposable yeah. Culture. Oh, yeah. And they put a record out yeah, for... Yeah, they did. Maybe a split, probably. No, I think it was it was just, just a, a single, inch. yeah. Yeah. Also put out the crowd control seven inch, which is sick. Yeah. But uh, we digress. <laughs> so yeah, so you you played that show with them. Yeah. Terrifying. Really. Yeah. There's and a video of uh, it, and I look petrified. Purple turtle. <laughs> so it's a big old place. Yeah. And this is like when Tiger's Jaw were like the band, right? Yeah. And ba- basement too. Basement were on basement it. Basement yeah. on the tour, yeah. And um, yeah, I feel like. Tiger's Jaw with a band that like really united a few different scenes of like kids from like 15 to 25 mm-hmm. like whether you were like an emo kid a like pop punk kid yeah. or a hardcore kid or like some old person that just likes Jawbreaker a bit or something like <laughs> yeah. they somehow captured something yeah isn't that so, there was so a lot cool of people there yeah I've yeah I think that's so cool when a band is so like encapsulates so many different things for different people. Yeah, and it's like normally just for like a minute mm-hmm. and then it's gone. Yeah. I feel like Rival Mob did that with the punks and the mm-hmm. hardcore and like it doesn't matter like where you're coming from, Rival Mob got it for a minute as yeah. well. Yeah. There's you, a few. You can appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're playing that show. Mm-hmm. So do you practice with them? No. I've only had... So, what, so this was 2000... So I've been in that band... For like seven years now, 
I've only practiced with self-defense only once. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> and the first show was terrible after yeah. it, so you thought, I won't practice again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a stupid band. Um, <laughs> but it's cool. You just trust in everyone and it's fun. It's actually fun to do it that way. Like, recording is fun that way too. I haven't played an instrument on an LP. They they must practice a bit for LPs. I have some ideas, like rough ideas, but singles, seven inches and stuff, just go in blind. And it's yeah. like really scary, but so rewarding when you come out of it with something that you're proud of. Yeah, it's and really you, cool. like... You you must be pretty proud of some of those records, right? Yeah. Like, you always tell me when they're out. Yeah. I feel like you're always like, listen to this. Yeah, yeah. It, mean, it means a lot because you just... You, you'll wake up... You're, so we record, like, when we're on tour. So you're, like, feeling a bit shit, like, on tour, not eating that well, driving a lot, but you've booked in, like, a studio session with someone in New York. Roll up, like, don't really know what's going in, like see what equipment they've got in the studio, be like, oh, maybe we can use that. Like, just set up and then jam, see what comes out of it, and that's how it starts. And that's such a good feeling, like, to create something that way and yeah. not care, like, oh, but it's only got one chorus here. It's got half a chorus or... Or one note. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Like, well, that's half a note too many, to be honest. <laughs> if it's good, it's enough. Yeah, and if it's not, well, you haven't got time to do anything else, so... Yeah. Someone will put it out. Yeah, someone will put it out. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah, so how was that as uh, at the time? How old, 18, 19 year old girl, mm -hmm. the rest of the band, you know, who like Mary still to this day is like your best friend in the world. And yeah. like, so you're with your best friend, plural, I'd imagine. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like good <laughs> friends. But they live on the other side of the world. Yeah. Most of the songs are aren't like, how is that like for looking back now you're a bit older mm. it it seemed really normal at the time yeah I don't really know how to it seemed like just like everyone in that band is just so chilled out about stuff and maybe it's because they're like they're everyone in that everyone that plays actually not not everyone I'm not going to name names but there are a lot of re like actually great musicians in that band so I guess if you're that good, then you just trust in yourself that you yeah. don't need to be so, like, finicky about stuff that it's going to be okay. And you, like, thrive off that feeling too. Yeah. So me at that, like, I've, you know, I learned to play bass in my shitty, like, straight edge band as, like, a 17-year-old. No experience, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that confidence sort of, like, came on to me and that feeling of, like, doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, just come up with something. It's cool. It'll be cool. Yeah, and does that still um, inform your writing today, like, or and the bass player you are? Yeah, I think, and I think the way self defense writes song leaves a lot of space for bass too. The guitarists are very like sparse. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the ba bass carries a lot of those songs, and it yeah. sort of made me aware of like filling space with my instrument. Um, and not, you know, not just playing what the guitar plays or yeah, just, like, thinking a bit more out of the box, which I definitely wouldn't have done otherwise. Like, I learned to play bass, like, copy in Minor Threat and Bikini Kill songs. Yeah. Which is, like, great, but definitely pushed on a bit. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 
so um, when you've got so you you you've done the self defense family stuff, mm-hmm. and then um, you started with the drummer from Can't Relate after Can't Relate, Ten Speed Bicycle, mm-hmm. which for me is interesting because. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but there's like there's there's a few interesting things I feel with Ten Speed Bicycle. All right. First off, none of like this. It was three people that were from the hardcore scene and in hardcore bands mm. that wanted to do something with music that wasn't hardcore, but music they listened to. Yeah. But I remember at the time Jimmy being like, "I just want to sound like Latterman," which obviously that's. How he said. that's I've still not listened to Latterman. I mean, I don't think you need to at this point. (laughs) But like, and then like Tommy being like, oh, we should sound like, and then like throwing in all of these other like emo bands. Mm -hmm. And then like, obviously, and then you're like taking it away from your side as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that you could also, it wasn't just a like, oh, this is our first band. The guitarist is writing this and we're just going to play along kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like collaborative, I imagine. Well, they, they started the band before me. Yeah, and there are the two songs of just the two of them, isn't there? Yeah, but it's different. It's not. It's not what tends to be bicycle. It's not the sounds that tends to be bicycle in my mind and your mind and mm. anyone else I'd imagine comes to think of. Okay. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bit gruff punk. Yeah, probably the Latin, and then that got taken yeah. to a different place because yeah. when you came in and took bollocks to that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also. Yeah, so you've got like three people from a totally different, coming from a different place, making that music. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got the fact that now it might be quite hard to think about the fact that there weren't, emo wasn't a thing that punks played at the time. Yeah. In London. Yeah. South of England. Like yeah. there was a few bands that, there was a few indie bands that pushed on because they might have liked a few emo sure, bands yeah. and like, like, I don't think that there... I remember, like, there was Bird Calls. Mm. And it was like... And someone might listen to this and be like, no, you're wrong, this. Mm -hmm. But, like, I feel like that opened up a lot of music to you because you're like, well, there's not, like... We can't play hardcore shows that often if we can at all. Mm -hmm. We need to find somewhere we are. And we do like the music we play, so we need to find music that's a bit similar that we're obviously going to like, but we don't know yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I remember we played, like, quite a lot of those Screamo shows. Okay. Um, Yeah. Like, with bands like Me and Goliath and stuff, because that was, like, lowest common denominator, I guess. Yeah. And I I remember feeling, like, very shy uh, playing hardcore shows. Yeah, Um, I I bet. Not really (laughs) wanting to do that. Um, Yeah, I don't don't really... I can't really... I don't know why they started that band at that. That was, like, a weird choice of sound to go for. Yeah. But I guess, like, Jimmy has always been into that sort of thing. Tommy, too. Um, and I, I don't know how much emo I listened to at that point. Yeah, like, I remember around that time you being, like, well into, like, Lemuria. Yeah. Um, which is still, like, it's not emo. But yeah. it is, I guess. It's like, it's, it was an interesting time of, like, where, like, two years later... Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted to be called an emo. I guess, and like, I guess you had Basement that like kind of started mm-hmm. saying that they were emo. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess this is a bit of a 
boring part of this conversation where I'm trying to be like, I don't know if there was, but I feel like there wasn't a scene for you to walk in and be like, right, I'm going to send our record to these four promoters in our city. Yeah. And hopefully they'll get back to us because they put on shows like this. Mm. Where now... I think emo's probably come come and gone now. Actually, yeah, I think it's probably gone the other end. Had a, a good little moment there, didn't it? <coughs> in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Had um, a good ride, yeah. But, so how was how was that? Because you had you had your ten you had can't relate where you're like playing your your punk songs, yeah, and helping write and humming along the bass lines, and <laughs> yeah. then everyone's writing songs around that, and yeah. you're playing, and then you had self defence where you, I guess had. You, had you started writing with them at that point or were you just playing for shows every now and again? No, the first record I was on was The Corrections Officer, which was I think was 2011 okay. or 12 maybe. Yeah. So how did 10 Speed Bicycle write songs once you'd joined? Um, Jimmy would always have like some twiddly riff. Like we were like addicted to the twiddle, like really like, I guess we were all like quite angsty, like young people. Um, and both the blokes in that band were really, like, sensitive guys, so it was a really, like, good way to release those feelings in a creative way. Um, And I I remember thinking, like, oh, it'd be cool to, like, when they asked me to play in this band, I was like, it'd be cool to do this because it would, like, make me try new things on bass. Yeah. Like, not just, yeah, you know punk hardcore like bass because I I was really conscious that I was self-taught and I didn't like know much about anything so I was like you know I'm gonna have to think a bit more about these songs like they're a bit poppier yeah um so sort of had that motivation too yeah and then um you wrote all the lyrics pretty much from when you joined that band right uh with with Jim yeah yeah mostly me and then a bit Jimmy yeah and they're quite like vulnerable lyrics. Mm. I feel like you were writing, you took that mantle of, right, this is a sensitive, we're trying to do something a bit more sensitive. Yeah. I'm going to write those sensitive lyrics, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really like talk to anyone about anything <laughs> okay. back in when I was that age. So, and it just felt like genuine, like sort of like, yeah, I have to be like honest about how I feel. Like even though it's really embarrassing and corny and like not told anyone these things like uh, what else am I gonna say do you know what I mean be fake if I said anything but like what's making me depressed or gives me anxiety yeah and did you did you know that like was you depressed at the time yeah very depressed did you know yeah 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 and you didn't talk to anyone about it no I was in like I had CBT at the time like with an adolescent therapist um but I don't know, I just, not to say it wasn't working, but I didn't, I just, there was like a block that I couldn't really get past. Yeah. But that band really helped me and like helped me like, we we played like quite a lot of shows like out of London and stuff and met so like a whole different like group of people, like you're saying, like that were out of what we'd all grown up in, like our local hardcore scenes. Yeah. It's like a whole different branch of a subculture. Yeah. Which is exciting again. And then you can kind of reinvent certain parts of yourself. Mm. Not as a you obviously you're not going in as a new person. Mm. I mean, obviously some people do, you know, shed their skin and like 
dive into a new group and that's fine, but mm. that that's not you. But I guess, yeah, if you can like be like, okay, well, this band's not about being in a hardcore band. It's about pushing against that a little bit, actually, even yeah. though we're still doing that. Yes, and all the hierarchies that you get in like any subculture and, you know, who's at the top of this tree or what's cool was all out the window, like with this whole new emo indie thing that we were sort of like getting exposed to at the time yeah and i think that's the first time like i thought about like punk and like crossover sort of things that like it could be informed by different different types of music yeah and that it had come from somewhere else and it could go somewhere else like post hardcore or like more like emotional like hardcore bands and that that was okay I think I had this sort of idea of it as being, like, the most aggressive thing, like, devoid of, like, real sentiment other than, like, you stabbed me in the back, like, that sort of thing. That was sort of, like, what I could see and then sort of, like, got exposed to different things. Yeah, okay. So then, yeah, so Jimmy left the band Mm. and I think that that's what... um, So Jimmy left and then your friend Jack joined. Yeah. Um, and um, I remember his his last show was with Football Etc. Oh, at the Blackheart? Yeah. yeah. And I always kind of see that as for myself. And again, people might be like, no, actually, like you're totally wrong. You just were in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> but that's quite a watershed moment of being like, wow, this room is full. And like you can't get really more emo than football, etc. No, nah, what about and like bird calls as well. Yeah, like, yeah, human hands, that whole era. Yeah, 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 and that was like the start of like being like, oh, cool, people will come into these shows, mm. and and then ten speed carried on for a little while, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, we sort of. I don't. I can't really remember what happened with us. I think we just sort of lost it a bit. And Jack Jack um, was at university doing illustration, um, Jack Taylor illustration, check him out, um, and getting, like, quite serious into that. So he didn't really have that much time to do it. And yeah. I think it just naturally sort of just dissolved a bit. Yeah. And then, um, so at this time, yeah, obviously, like we're saying, like, the mu- like, like you've said, the music is, like, when it comes to the punk subculture... Mm-hmm. Like is being broadened. Mm-hmm. You still listening to like what you said when you were growing up was like pop was your thing. Mm-hmm. Is that still your thing? Because it yeah. is your thing now as well. <laughs> yeah, but that was always there. Yeah, as a content, I definitely became like uh, a bit embarrassed of it. Like I wouldn't talk about like pop music with like my friends in hardcore, or whatever. Like I thought it would be looked down upon, or like you know, getting into like politics, like anything mainstream was bad in my head or like maybe if, if I didn't think it was bad it was just like I couldn't like speak about it with these people because these were like the enlightened people you know yeah. like they don't listen to Beyonce <laughs> yeah. or it's not it's not cool um, but I would yeah I've always listened to that stuff <laughs> cool um, yeah so then the next band that seemed to do a, a lot and you get a lot out of was Bloomer mm-hmm Correct me if I'm wrong, I might have forgotten. No, yeah. But that was a band that did a lot for two, three years. Mm, yeah, I think so, yeah. And how did that come about and where did that... Because that wouldn't have come about... Sorry, that did come... Would that come from 10 Speed Bicycle? No, I don't think... No, because I've... 
Ayako, who played guitar in Bloomer, worked at All Ages record store in yeah. Camden. And I must have just been talking to her about music or that she was starting a band. She was in a band called Bracelets before. And she had the other the other two, David and Nacho, already. And I think they just said that they needed a bassist. And I just was like, she. I, I've always thought she was really cool. Yeah. And I was just like, got to hang out with her. Yeah. I'll do this band. <laughs> cool. And that. Yeah. So how how did how was that like going in? So that. Oh, pardon me. That was your first band where you didn't know anyone really that well before then. Yeah. Or did you know Ayako pretty well? No, I didn't know her well at all. I just saw her at shows and she'd always be in that record store when I would go in. Cool. So how was that? Scary, but they were all really lovely people. It wasn't, like, intimidating at all once I got in there. But also, like, I was so self-conscious about, like, my ability as, like, a bass player also. I was like, oh, they're going to, like, talk about scales and all this stuff. I'm not going to know what they're bloody on about. But... It was nothing like that. It was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so with the bands that we've spoken about and now with Bloomer, all four of those bands, for me, they're pretty different mm. when it comes to playing bass. You're all doing different things. Mm. Like, How was that, yeah, being in that room with those people and like feeling comfortable that they're not asking you about scales? <laughs> yeah. but, like They're still playing you their songs and you're having to write for them. And how was that? And over time, how did that... Was it always just comfortable? Yeah, I was a bit nervous because I'd never been asked to... That was, like, the poppiest band I'd been in and I definitely wanted it to feel, like, fun and upbeat and, like... (laughs) Twee's the wrong word, but just, you know, sort of have that sort of... That vibe, that summery, whatever feeling. Because Ayako was writing, like, the sweetest, like, stuff on guitar. It felt really good. Um... So I just, yeah, wanted to, like... And David was, like, a shredder. So yeah. he'd, like, shred over everything. It's like, all right, OK, I can see where I have to fit in into all this and give yeah. these songs a bit of, like, bounce and a bit of funk or whatever. Um, and it's just really a really fun band to be in. Yeah, what would you... For people that haven't heard Blue, like, what would you say it sounded like? Or what... Yeah, what was you going for? Um, or what came out if you weren't going for anything? Yeah, I don't know. Or, or what world did you play in? Which I guess is better indication because no one really knows what their band sounds like when they're in it. Yeah. People told me we sound like Best Coast a lot. Okay. Um, but, like, less depressing. I guess Best Coast can get a bit... I only listened to that one album. Yeah. So it was a bit dreary. Um, we played... We played with, like, indie bands, I guess. And, like, there's there's always been, like, a big, like, pop sort of like DIY pop scene yeah. in London and the UK. So, yeah, we found space within those sort of gigs. Was you aware of that DIY indie and DIY pop and DIY indie pop scene before you were in Bloomer? No, I didn't. I wasn't really into any of that stuff. Were those three aware of it as well? Uh, I think David probably, yeah, his finger's on the pulse of a lot of things, like yeah. odd box records, like that sort of... Because they were pretty supportive from straight yeah. away, right? Yeah, yeah. They they dug it and put a, a single out for us, a record. Yeah, so how was... Um, yeah, that band lasted quite like a few years. Mm-hmm. How were those years? Like, how were those years? I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah, it was really fun. That, like, that band was... There was no stress. Like, 
everyone was really nice to each other and just like had jobs that nobody really liked so got a lot out of like the band I don't think anyone was doing any other bands at that time either I think maybe I can't remember if I was still intend to be the bit when we started but that was like everyone's focal point so everyone like put a lot of effort into it yeah because you did play quite a lot didn't you yeah yeah but yeah it felt like a really like fun thing to be doing yeah and it's like I could invite my mum to those gigs do you know what I mean like harmless music <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we're not gonna um, get elbowed <laughs> yeah with nice like personable people yeah not that that's a reflection on any of your other bands mm-hmm. it's not at all <laughs> but um you know when you meet those people those people they're like straight away lovable really, really lovable which is all you want from introducing a parent yeah <laughs> yeah so so where are you now so you, what who what bands are you playing in uh playing a band called child's pose okay that uh, we've only played three shows right now. Um, I don't really know what it, it's. It's poppy, but like a bit seventies punk too. I don't really know. It's yeah. like my housemate said we gave her suburban lawns vibes, which is a very high compliment. I don't think we'd sound like that, but I mean, I don't know that band. But okay. okay, I play. I play them to you. It's the sickest band. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's a bit like it's a weird like pop band. Yeah like informed by people that like punk i guess um so yeah we recorded some songs gonna try and find someone to put that out cool if you got a record label <laughs> at me <laughs> um and necra just your run-of-the-mill hardcore band is it run-of-the-mill though no i don't i mean i think it's an interesting band musically it's cool yeah um but we're not doing anything that's not been done i'm not gonna but you uh, personally, I think that's the greatest thing about hardcore is it's not about doing something completely brand new because mm. that's not what hardcore is. Yeah, for sure. You, you, I mean, you can have your post hardcore if that's what you want to do, <laughs> but like, doesn't mean that you, it's easy to do well. I'm sure, we've both seen enough bands that don't do it well. Yeah, yeah. I, I like what we're what we're going for and how we like formed was like a positive thing too. Yeah, and so how did you form? Um, Spooky, our singer, uh, was moving to London from Chicago. Um, and I met her. She, so she's married to Nick, uh, who we spoke about, was one of like my earliest friends in hardcore. Um, and I, I met her once and I was like, wow, this woman has to front a punk band. <laughs> like, I can't think of anyone more perfect. Didn't hear her like sing or shout or whatever but just like her whole <laughs> spirit was like front woman <laughs> yeah it's like all right i gotta nab her before anyone else does so before she'd even come here i was like all right we're gonna do a band i'll find other people you you're gonna sing she plays guitar she plays bass she plays drums i was like that's cool but i need your voice for this band um and paula who plays in frau plays okay. drums in necra and I'd always wanted to play in a band with her. And Alex, who's in a bunch of bands, F.E.L. is Sarcasm, uh, plays guitar. So just those two are just people that I'd always wanted to play music with. And yeah. I'd liked their bands for a long time. Yeah. And thought it would be good for Spooky to, like, a good way for her to meet people. Like, those two. I think she might have known them already from shows, but... You know, playing in a band is a social thing. Like, yeah, it's so, an easy yeah. conversation starter. Like, oh, 
good set. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I thought it would it would be cool for her to do that, and I knew she'd be great to be in a band with. Yeah, and um, you didn't write any lyrics with Bloomer, am I right? Uh, one song I did. One song. Yeah. Okay. Adore. So, you wrote a song on the Necro record. Mm-hmm. So, before that, you'd written one song in what four or five years? Mm-hmm. Lyric, yeah. Lyrics, yeah. Uh, lyrics for lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck else? <laughs> um, so, how was that? Uh, cool. Yeah, I think Spooky was having. She just had a bit of like a block of what to write about, and I was like a bit pissed off with stuff, and just writing I was like oh this could be like a punk song so put it to that it's a song called Sisters of the Yam on our demo okay um, what Sisters of the Yam mean it's a, a bell hooks book um, on like self care for black women and just a lot of like helpful words and wisdom um, and the song gotta like listen to the lyrics back in my head now to think about what I actually wrote about. Um, uh, I guess, like, people, like, co-opting different people's struggles and how, like, obvious that is to see and that it's bullshit. From your... From where you're standing, it's obvious to see. Yeah, just basically saying, like, it's obvious, like, this sort of, like, woke culture, like, for the sake of... Like, I'd much prefer someone fuck up and be honest and, like, try and rectify themselves and, like, grow as a person than someone that pretends that they're perfect and they know everything and they've got all the right terminology. Do you know what I mean? It just seems a bit disingenuous. And I think a lot of my friends sort of act that way and it's just kind of annoying. Yeah. So I was just, like, sort of venting about that sort of attitude that I see in a lot of my friends. Yeah. And has that has anyone read that and come to you and said... You've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, a few, a few people have been like... or Some people didn't really get what I was going for also and asked me about it. Um, and then were like, oh, yeah, I see what you're... Apparently there's a term like performative wokeness. It's like a term that people have used for that sort of like acting, like you know everything and you're like the most enlightened. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, a few people said it rings true. Even if they didn't, like, that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. I could be wrong. Like, maybe people genuinely... Well, no, it's, I'm not <laughs> saying that you're, like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it it winds me up a bit. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess thanks for having me on. That's all right. This was... Anytime. It was, it was quite cool, like, thinking about my... Our younger years. We were young and wild and free. But that's <laughs> yeah. over now. <laughs> My life trajectory um, in the context of playing music because I hadn't really thought about, like, the older stuff, like, past, like, self-defence family and sort of forgotten that I'd had this whole experience. And it's it's hard, like, thinking back to how you got into, like, the thing that has, like, informed your life or been a yeah. big part of your life. But Do fun. you feel like you wouldn't do doing what you're doing at uni if it wasn't for this life? life that chose you <laughs> um probably not yeah I didn't know a thing about anything before listening to politically informed bands or whatever or yeah I, I was like sensitive and I definitely like cared about people 
Um, but I wouldn't have known what sociology was. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but then at the same time, maybe it might not have been punk, but that's you, if that's, that's you, isn't it? You're always going to be that person no, that's caring for me. those people. Act like a waste man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's definitely not you. Um, yeah, just one last question. Can you name, in order of recording, all your self-defence releases? Oh. Um, just so listeners might be able to just go back and listen to that, because if someone, if people haven't heard Self-Defence Family, yeah. they might be there for about four weeks searching for something that you're on. Yeah. Can I search again? Nah, this is from okay. the noggin. Let's okay. see how you do. Well, I don't, I don't actually... Okay, corrections officer in me. Try me. Or was Scotland before try me? We'll say corrections officer, Scotland, try me. What's what, the record called, try me? Yeah, what you on, what, what are you on? You don't play musically, right? You said that you weren't on an album. I didn't, I didn't play an instrument, I just sung. Okay, on, on try me. Yeah. Played bass in Scotland. See, this is the thing with this band, because we do so many things. Like, so I'll record the stuff. And then it will be put out, but I don't know. Like Patrick's just come up with a name afterwards, so I don't really <laughs> know what this stuff. Yeah, it could be called anything. Um, Alan, there's a single called Alan. Okay. There's um, Colicky that Taylor Young recorded. There's something else before that. What was your book with your picture book? Ah, photo book. Yeah. Don't know what that record is. Australia? Australia, that's not out yet. Don't know if that's ever going to come out. Are you on that? Yeah, played bass on Australia. But we recorded with um, John that plays in Such Gold in New York, a really soppy song. I can't remember the name of the song, but the, the chorus is Patrick sings, like actually sings. Wow. Why? Don't know. Can't tell. I think of the lyrics. Gonna have to really search for that. Really sorry for any. Um, I mean, after this, in the goodbye notes, I will do everyone. Oh, in you'll order. find. Yeah. I'll, I'll find them. I won't make you troll through. And <laughs> made a vow. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, thanks. For remember that. Yeah. Well, I bought that last week, so that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Doing your research. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we'll wrap there. Cool. Perfect. Thank you, Kai. Thank you, mate. Hey, thanks for getting to the end. Hopefully it was as fun for you listening as it was for me recording it. This episode was mixed and recorded by Liam Clayton. Follow him at Liam C Audio on Twitter. Our logo is done by the illustrator Jack Smythe. Find him at jacksmythe-design.com. The music I talked over at the start is by Sean, who plays in the band Neurotic Fiction. If you want to find his production work, head to soundcloud.com forward slash KFS1. The music you can hear under my voice is called Alan and can be found on the Self-Defence Family album When the Barn Caves In. Listen to the end of the song to hear Kai's Self-Defence Family discography. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.
Kai's self-defence family records are the following. The corrections officer in me. Scotland. Try me. When the barn caves in with Alan. Bastards form and maybe. You could explain it to me. Koliki, Australia. BBC made a veil.